Hey, good morning, South. I'm Tom Walker. I'm one of the elders here, and this is Pastor Yvonne. You know her better than, than you know me. Hey, we just wanted to come before you this morning and, and um, clarify just a couple things with regard to our request for uh, prayer, worship, and fasting. You know, over the next couple of weeks, uh, the elders have invited our two final candidates uh, for lead pastor to South Fellowship. And we're really excited about that, but we also know uh, most importantly, we need God's wisdom uh, right now. And so we're inviting you in to this moment, this very critical moment for South Fellowship to pray with us. We've asked that, uh, to worship with us, and very importantly, to fast with us. Uh, we really believe that fasting has a very powerful spiritual impact. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Yvonne to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, you might know how to pray and worship, and those come really naturally to you. But this uh, practice of fasting might be something that is new or you've never experimented with it before. And we want to invite you to some specific hours of fasting where we could join together as a community and just refrain from eating or refrain from technology or whatever uh, you could choose uh, to refrain from so that the hunger for those things actually draws us into a time of prayer. And indeed invite you to come and fast with us from 4 p.m. on Sunday till the morning of Monday. And then we can all break fast together and, and we'll be able to interact with these candidates and, and go on from there. But this would be a great time for us to lean into prayer and worship and fasting. We told you last week that you could join us in three ways. You could subscribe to The Daily and keep being prompted to pray with us. You could join us at 4 p.m. at Littles Creek Park for a time of worship in the park. And you could also join our Watchman team at 6.30 Wednesday nights on Zoom. So those are great ways to partner with us. And we are so thankful that you've already begun this process with us. And as we continue to press on into these 28 days, we trust that God will lead the way. Hey, lastly, the Watchmen have provided, provided a great guide on worship, prayer, and fasting. It's real practical. It's very simple to engage. So that's been made available on our app. Uh, I think it's been made available on the daily. Uh, it's been uh, made available. We're going to send an old school mailing out. Uh, so you'll have that as well. So anyway, hey, South, we miss you. Uh, we know you're there. We love you. And we cannot wait again, for the moment that we're together face-to-face, -to -face, worshiping the Lord with you and uh, just sharing the stories that we've, uh, we've been experiencing over the last uh, several weeks. Hi South, we're Celeste and Peter Pearson. Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 67 verses one to three and is slightly edited. May God be gracious to self and bless self. May he make his face to shine upon self that the way of Jesus may be known on earth his saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. We're asking God to bless us and this special service today so that we can be a blessing to others with the goal that others would join us in praising God. So with this in mind, may God bless our service today and our worship. Now, now let's, let's sing. South Fellowship Church, I am so glad that I'm here with more than just me this morning. <laughs> so let's worship him. 
Hopefully you're with someone else too. Lift your voice and sing to him. We're waiting for this day. We gathered in your name, calling out your truth. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire. Burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our praise. in this place your glory on our face we're looking to the sky descending like a cloud you're standing with us now lord unveil our eyes ask him you're the reason we're here you're the reason we're seeing several weeks I've been going through the book of Psalms and I came across this Psalm, Psalm 65, and I'm going to read for you verse 5 through 8. It says this, 
You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the furthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring seas, the roaring of their waves and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonder. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. I love that idea that our God calms the roaring of the seas and the turmoil of the nations. And this was tremendously comforting to me in light of what's going on in our nation. I feel like there's tumult and turmoil and frustration and fear and anxiety and anger and God calms the turmoil of the nations. in his 
Yeah. 
to the skies Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain Your justice flows like the ocean's tide Sing that first verse again Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Flows like the ocean. 
And I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. And I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my strength. In the shadow of your wings. Hi, good morning, South Fellowship family and kids. I'm Andrea Fountain, and I'm so glad you've joined us this morning. If your life is anything like mine right now, it is full of worry and concerns of uncertainty. Some of the things you might be worried about weigh you down like a balloon on a string. Some of these things as we approach summer might be that summer camps are closed or family members are sick or that we're having more conflict within our families, public pools being closed, not being able to see friends and family or church family. And all these things tend to weigh on our heart and make our emotions go haywire. Maybe we're angry, maybe we're sad, maybe we just don't know what to feel in this time. But there's two things we can do. We can choose to worry about these concerns, or we can choose to give them to God and trust that He is still in control. The difference is, when we worry, we keep the concerns right here, over our heart and affecting our lives and our relationships in negative ways. But when we give the concerns and worries to God, we can pray and trust that He will take them. Now, I think this should be a one time and done, but that's just not practical. <laughs> Many times I have to give the same worry and fear over to God constantly. So, like a balloon on a string, I have to pray, God, I trust you and give him that concern. And then I might think about it again later in the day and have to say the same prayer. God, I'm worried and concerned about this, but instead I'm choosing to trust you with it. And pretty soon we'll notice that the balloon gets further and further from us as we go through this process. And then we might even notice that we get to the end of the string. And this is where we can let go and give that concern completely over to God. So Philippians 4, 6-7 talks about this. It says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, tell God about everything. Ask and pray. Give thanks to Him. Then God's peace will watch over your hearts and your minds because you belong to Christ Jesus. God's peace can never be completely understood. So this is why we need to ask and pray for God to take those concerns and then trust that he will give us his peace, a peace that we can't completely understand. And so this morning, I pray as you give those concerns to him, like a balloon, you will be able to let go little by little and see God's peace transform your lives. Thank you, and I hope you have a blessed Sunday. Well, hey church, I just got finished editing the conversation between Larry and Naroop for this week. And I gotta confess, it's a little bit long, but I couldn't cut any of it. Um, so uh, hang with us. We're, we don't always have this long of a service online, but I think it's a great conversation for us to have. And in light of the subject and what's going on in our world today, I want you to tune in. So let's check it out.
stereotypes, prejudices, bias. You know, we're in a current cultural climate where there's this war of opinions over those very things. In the last several weeks, so much in our culture has happened. We've seen the tragic death, tragic killings of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. And, and we heard about Ahmaud Arbery and just seemed like right after that, in short succession, we heard about Breonna Taylor and then footage of the senseless killing of George Floyd was being played on every social media stream, on every media outlet. You couldn't get away from it. And what we see, what we see is this, this nation that's been torn for 400 years over some of these issues. And, and, and honestly, on top of that, has been trapped in their homes for yeah. the last three months or so, yeah. exploded. Protests, riots and right. looting, and it's still happening to this day. Lots of division, uh, stereotypes and prejudices are soaring. Um, people are taking sides. They're polarizing these deaths. Um, there's a lot of division. People are saying it's a color issue or it's a political issue or it's, it's both of, the, of those. It's us versus them. It's black versus white. It's black versus police. It's black lives matter versus all lives matter and so on and on and on it goes. But the thing is, we all have stereotypes. That's right. We all have our own prejudices. We, we all have our own biases. And those who say that they don't, listen, if you say that, you're either not self-aware or you're lying to yourself. And i just be really honest. As I sit here today to, to have a conversation with my friend Narub today, as a, as a white pastor, I have trepidation around this because I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to forsake someone's experience. I'm trying my best to listen right now and to learn. But what I want to do is to point us to a better way. And I have to just acknowledge my own prejudices. I have all those same issues that everybody else does. Um, I grew up in a nearly white culture. I was, it was almost all white people around me. And I really loved diversity even as a kid, but I didn't really see it. And a lot of the voices in my life around me, my peers and others sort of started telling me that people that look different than me, uh, a person with black skin or brown skin, that they were scary, that they were criminals, that they might kill me or hurt me or shoot me or whatever. Well, and then my junior year of high school, I moved to a different state to a much larger school, and there were many African-Americans in that school. And I'll, I'll be honest, it brought a lot of fear out for me when I went to that school because of what had sort of been drilled into my head for a lot of years wow. until I got to know them. And eventually I had a lot of black friends and I still do. And since then I've had the privilege to travel the world. I've been all over this country. I've been around the world. Um, A few years ago, I even got to go to Thailand and definitely people did not look like me. I was the odd person out. I, I certainly was in the minority there and they were a beautiful people, but I wasn't afraid. It was a joy to be around people who looked different than me. But I have to be honest and say it still catches up to me sometimes. I still find myself feeling fear if I'm around someone who maybe their skin color is different than mine. And I have to do an honest inventory of that. What's really going on? Why does that happen? We've been in a series for the last several weeks called Not Like Me. And in this, we're we're learning to love people beyond the differences. We're finding people who aren't like us and finding ways to have conversations with them, to show them the love of Jesus, to help them live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus, even if they look a lot different. And, And now we have a very timely opportunity that was already planned to talk about a love greater than ethnicity. And I think the question that we've got to wrestle with is, what should our response as followers of Jesus 
be in this time? What do we do? Do we hide? Do we protest? Do we march? Do we get violent? Do we ignore this? Do we post memes on Facebook? Do we take action? Like, what do we really do? How do followers of Jesus engage in this time in a way that honors Jesus and his kingdom? And so I'm really glad to have my friend Narup here, uh, an amazing man. He loves Jesus. I got to say, Narup, you're my favorite Indian pastor in Denver. I think, I, think all, I think you're the only Indian pastor, Indian pastor in Denver that I know. Nurub's been talking a lot uh, on Facebook. He's actually just got back from traveling across the country to have a conversation about um, racism in the church and the gospel. And, and so we thought today what we would do is to have an honest conversation about what is a love greater than yeah. ethnicity. How do followers of Jesus step into our current cultural climate? Yeah, and I'm excited to be here, South. I love this church. I love you all. I love your staff. I love the heartbeat of this church. And I'm really proud of you for entering into a conversation that you could probably just as easily skip. And you could just say, well, we'll kind of wait for it to get over and wait for the news mm. cycle to kind of run through its course. And so I'm really proud of you for entering this conversation. And so I would just like to say that our aim today is just that, to enter into a conversation. And the goal is in no way, shape, or form to guilt anyone, to mm. shame anyone. If you feel guilty or shameful at any part of this conversation, just know that that is not from the Lord and that is not our mm. heartbeat. That is not the heartbeat of this church. But if you do feel uncomfortable and you do feel a conviction rising up, then I would encourage you to press into that and ask, well, Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you doing in this moment and how do we enter this conversation? And, and we are having this conversation as a C.S. Lewis would say, unlearned men speaking to unlearned people. Mm. So we're, we're growing together and learning together, and, and all of us are trying to, as a church, as followers of Jesus, conform to the image of Christ. And so that's my heart, and I, and I hope you hear it. I hope we enter into this together, mm. and I hope you know that we are all in the same kingdom side of seeing God and his kingdom advancing in this city together as churches and as pastors and in this world. So I'm excited to be here today to have this conversation, mm. and, and I think the Lord is going to do some really special things in and through this. Yeah. I'm just really curious, as the news about these killings sort of came out, and then we started seeing tensions around this escalate, how did you start processing all of this? I mean, we grew up in different yeah. places, different experiences. I, as a, a white American, uh, I know my experience has been quite different than yeah. yours. And so maybe the way I'm processing this, or even a large portion of our church that's, that's primarily Caucasian, um, how, how are you processing this? Yeah, it's a great question. So... Just to say, first and foremost, racism is a global epidemic. Mm. It is not restricted to America. It is global. It has is, it is caused the apartheid in South Africa. It has caused the, the, the genocide in Rwanda. The caste system in India is demonic. It, it is the bedrock of society there. Right. And so I grew up around racism. Even in India, people think, well, all Indians must get along. There's, there's churches in India that are divided mm. by what caste you're in what language you might speak. And so even, even in, in culture across the world, racism is deep. It's as old as the world. Right. And so when you watch this video, and I think everyone has seen this video by now. And I, to be honest, I, I couldn't get through all nine minutes. Yeah. I, I couldn't get through all I nine minutes. To, to watch, because you don't, you don't get to a point where you put your knee on the back of someone's neck if you haven't at some point dehumanize them and demonize them right for nine minutes right and so the first thing i saw when i see that and i'm processing is is anger 
mm. and frustration. And I, and I can honestly say, I don't know if my initial response was holy anger or righteous anger. It was sort of this, God, I can't believe we live in a world yeah. where this is even, this is a thing. Right. And I can't believe we live in a world where people film it mm. and we see it. And so there's this anger, there's this frustration, but then also as a, as a follower of Jesus, as, a, as someone who lives in a multiracial home, my wife is white, my kids are, are biracial, as someone whose life is very multi-ethnic, who grew yeah. up multi-ethnic, and someone who leads a church that is multi-ethnic, I have to press into it. But I have to press into it as a follower of Jesus. Right. How does, a, how does a citizen of the kingdom of heaven press into this, knowing that we are called by God to be agents of reconciliation mm. and people of peace? And so I'm, I'm processing it slowly. I'm, I'm trying to grieve more than I speak. Mm. I'm trying to listen more than I speak and learn about every, like how is everyone sort of listening to this? And I think as, as pastors, we, we don't have the opportunity to process in silence. We yeah. process with, with various people in our churches and our cities who are grieving in different ways or right. responding in different ways. And so that's kind of been all collectively together. Mm. But I will tell you, Larry, and I will tell you, South Fellowship, I am actually extremely hopeful because what I'm seeing around the city and around the nation is a generation of believers rising up mm. and they're saying, not on our watch, no more. Yeah. We will be the people of God in this city. And I'm seeing young Christians and older Christians, uh, black, white, yellow, I mean, all of it. Like, and I'm, so I'm very hopeful that God is stirring mm. and awakening our hearts to his vision for humanity, his redemptive plan to unite all things, as it says in Ephesians, to unite all things in Christ. So I'm processing it, but I'm also extremely hopeful in my processing it as well. Yeah, so a couple things. Um, I was listening to a talk um, the other day about this, and someone talked about the tension of hurt and hope. Yeah. And I was so struck by this. This person um, was African-American and was talking about their perspective, and they said, I live with a lot of hurt around this, mm-hmm. but also a lot of hope for the exact same reason that, that you did. There's one word that you said that, is, that we've talked about a lot in this series, and that was dehumanize. Yeah. What do you mean by de- dehumanize? So fundamentally, we believe as the people of God that every human being is made in the image of God. Right. It's what separates humanity from everything else in God's creation. We have we are made, we have the breath of God put inside of us. So it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't mm. matter your intellectual capacity. It doesn't matter your gender, where you're from, what you've done. You are simply beautiful and invaluable because you're made in the image of God, right. because you are human. And the moment you dehumanize, is to, the, the, the first thing you do when you dehumanize is you no longer see someone made in the image of God, and you value them based on perhaps their their look, their ethnicity, their gender, or their contribution to society right. or contribution to the culture. And when you dehumanize, you basically have made them animals. When I saw that video, it almost, I was talking to my wife and I said, it almost looks like Steve Irwin catching an alligator Yeah. on this, you know, and he's wrestling them. And, right. and when you're seeing an, an animal, you're like, well, that's how you catch an animal. Right. I have caught two raccoons in my life. <laughs> and my wife goes, well, they look really cute. They're in the cage. And like, they look really cute. I'm like, Hannah, these, these things are demons. Like, right. they, will, they will tear up this house. Right. That's a lot different from seeing a person, beautiful, made in the image of God. Right. And we have culturally, in our own minds, and, and I think you said it right on, we have created our own prejudices. Yeah. 
and, it may and not everybody be has them. We have them. We yeah. have them. And it's, and it's actually the gentle nature of God to convict us. So I'll be honest with you, church. We have, we live in a, in a great neighborhood and I love our neighborhood. We live in Inglewood, AKA Inglehood. And we had, we had some neighbors move out. And my first thought when they moved out was, I hope we don't get neighbors like them. Mm. And what did I mean by them? They are, so, so our, our neighborhood is very, very multi-ethnic. So we have black and Hispanic and Asian and, and you know, Indian and white and white couples. But this family next door was a family that didn't speak English. Mm. And so in my mind, I made them them. Yeah. And immediately the Holy Spirit convicted me. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean them? And I, you, know, when, you know those moments when you get in an argument with God and you just know God's going to win, but oh, you keep totally. arguing anyways. And I was like, wow. So the Lord is still doing work in my heart. Yeah. And so I have to press into that and say, God, there's a place in my heart where you haven't taken the rightful place as ruler and reigner in my life. Yeah. So will you come have your way? And God had to do the work in my right. soul to do that. And so, so we all have that to an extent, but we have, we have to remember that in this country, there has been a darkness that has lasted for 400 years that was built on the industry of slavery, mm. that was built on the backs of men and women and children made in the image of God, treated like animals. Yeah. Dehumanized. Yeah. Even, even worse it, than animals. It, and I it mean, happens. Slave owners, treated, slave owners treated slaves worse than they treated their own animals. Right. Yeah. And it's hard for maybe probably for some of us who didn't grow up there to go, I can't believe that that thing actually happened. But really the foundation of our, our country, maybe a good starting place, because I think that's a question I've been asking. Well, where do I even start? I mean, I, do I go to a protest? Do I yeah. read books by people of color? Do I, like, how do I do that? And I think one of the important starting places is just honesty. Yeah. To say we all have prejudices, we all have stereotypes, mm-hmm. but if you live in the United States of America, we love our country, but there's we some do. dark and, history yeah. in our country that it's okay to talk about. Yeah. Talking of... Uh, about the, maybe the, the tragic side of something doesn't invalidate the beautiful side of something. But I, I think because we live in that sort of dualistic mindset of it's either good or it's bad, it's white or black, yeah. pun intended, um, it's easy to do that as the other. And the moment that we move people into the other, um, the mo- uh, we're, we're dehumanizing. The moment that we are unwilling to look at our shady past, we can't move into a healthy future. So yeah. I think You're absolutely starting right. from a place of honesty. Yeah. So I, I would use the word assessment. Mm. So as, as a pastor, I have, a lot of, I have a lot of couples and people that come sit down with me and they tell me about their life and they tell me about where they want to go. I want my marriage to look like this. I want my family to look like this. I want my career to look like this. And, my, and I'm like, that's great. I'm proud of you. I'm excited. Right. But where are you now? And most people don't want to take the honest assessment of where am I now? So I think that's where you begin is assessing where in this conversation, in this history, and and I'm with you, America is a beautiful country. I tell my children were born in America. I was not. I tell my kids, you hit the lottery. You hit the lottery because my children will never know what it's like Mm. to stand on Jackson Street for days and days and days, to have your parents pull you out of school, to stand on Jackson Street, downtown Chicago for days and days and days to get a shot at becoming an American. Mm, they have wow. no idea what it's like. They have no, my wife has no idea what it's yeah, like. Yeah, I can't even imagine. To see your unbelievably well-educated parents standing in a line being talked to by a 450 an hour employee. 
mm. like they're like they're worthless. They have no yeah. idea. So most of us have no idea. This is a beautiful nation. God is working here, and but like every but everything else, if we are to grow into the future, we have to take an honest assessment about where we are as a people, where we are as a church globally and right. locally, and where we are as families. And there's some great things you can do to assess your life, and I don't think they're easy. You could begin by how many people of different races have ever been in my home? Mm, when, is the la- when is the last time that someone who didn't vote like me, look like me, eat like me, think like me, act like me, come into my home for dinner? What is the last book I've read or series of books I've read by minority authors? Mm. Uh, black, Asian, Hispanic, female, whatever they might be. Right. So you get an assessment of, wow, I think my life is being shaped and built by only one particular view mm. versus how am I going to expand the, like expand what, what God could be teaching me. Right. Um, even if you disagree with something, I think it's great to read things that you disagree with. Right. And so you have, a, you have a, a more firm and anchored stance in who am I and who has God created me to be and created us as a people to be. So I, I always say I think you should begin with an, an honest assessment yeah. of where are we now. I love that. I think it's good. It, this, is the, this is the starting place that we're going, right? Um, I think it's interesting. You talk about dehumanizing. We talked a little bit about that and taking an, an honest assessment. I think it's really helpful to maybe frame this conversation as this isn't about taking sides. No, not at all. You know, all. I've been chewing on this uh, passage in, in uh, Joshua chapter 5. Yeah. And Joshua is standing and suddenly he sees this man. And this man comes up to him and he has a sword drawn. And so Joshua very naturally says, whose side are you yeah. on? Uh, the, our side or their side? And what is the, the, yeah. the Neither. other person? Neither. Neither. Yeah. He sees the commander of the Neither, Lord's yeah. army. Like, it's kind of like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not picking those sides. And I think going back to you a couple of weeks ago, I talked about politics and following Jesus and how do we meet people where they are, even if they vote differently, yeah. have different political stances than us. And one of the things that I said is we have to remember that our citizenship isn't yeah. primarily first as citizens of the United States or as a part of a particular community or as a, you know, a skin color or a, a, a financial bracket or whatever. That's not our allegiance. Our first allegiance is to Jesus the King, That's that right. we are citizens right. um, of heaven. And so it's That's not right. about choosing sides, right? It's about, it's about choosing the way of the kingdom and working to bring his kingdom come, his will be done yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. And, and I would just say, South, um, and all friends watching, that is a really important place to start yeah. because then we're operating by a different set of ethics. We're not being informed by what a particular politician says, a particular party, a particular group. It's not that. It's going, what is the way of Jesus? What is the way of the kingdom? And if we do that, that actually is a pretty good assessment tool it to is. go, well, how does my personal ethic or the way that I feel about this you know, line up with what Jesus had to say. Yeah. And if you think about the kingdom of God, what you said earlier, the image of God, the Imago Dei, if we start from that starting place, that's not just a thing that we, because we're pastors and yeah. we've been to seminary, we say that, that's actually a kingdom ethic, yeah. right? It's the way of the kingdom. So, the, so a starting place is maybe getting honest about where we are right now, but also comparing it to what is the way of God? Yeah. What is the way of the kingdom? And if we could really start to see what the way of the kingdom is, then we start judging these things through the lens of justice and realizing that the kingdom is about grace, it's about mercy, it's about Imago Dei, and it's about justice. So followers of Jesus who maybe say, I- I'm not just a justice 
person or I'm, you know because they they think justice equals you're picketing and you're angry and whatever um uh what is what is the starting place of the kingdom for followers of jesus it's a really good question i think often in the western church especially when popular gospel preaching began to happen in in sort of the, the 60s 70s and 80s we we made the gospel and the kingdom two separate things so we made the kingdom of god sort of this subsidiary to the gospel. Right. But if you read the gospels, the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus from the very beginning, it's we the see kingdom of God. that the central message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. From right. the moment he began preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is here. I love the way Daryl Johnson says it. Daryl Johnson in his book, The Beatitude says that the, the, the gospel, the good news according to Jesus of Nazareth is that the long awaited kingdom of God has entered into the earth. Heaven has invaded the earth. So you have to ask yourself, if, if the gospel is only Jesus died for my sins so I get to go to heaven. Right. And I started thinking about this when I was 21. When I became a believer, I started thinking, if the gospel is Jesus died for my sins so I get to go to heaven, right. why would I crucify that guy? Right. That guy sounds awesome. Yeah, totally. They're like, hey, Narup, I know you're a really bad guy, but I'm going to die for you so you get to go to heaven. That sounds great. Golden. I'm not going to kill you. But Jesus was preaching an allegiance to him as king. Right. The king is here. The gospel, the, central, the centrality of the gospel is Jesus. And the central message of Jesus was the kingdom. The central point of the gospel of John was the kingship of Jesus. Right. So Jesus is stirring up the culture, stirring up society to the point where in the gospel of John, the Pharisees say, if he continues, we will lose our nation. Right. And so they have to crucify him. So according to, the, to Jesus, the kingdom of God and all that it brings, the redemption of the human soul, the return to dignity of the human being is all part of the gospel. So the fight for justice must happen in congruency with pursuing the kingdom, yeah. to seek first the kingdom. Otherwise, if we just sort of modify behavior and we reform systems and we change some things, it'll change just for a few generations. Then it'll just change right. again and change again. We start with the heart of Jesus, which is the transformation of the human heart. And as my heart is transformed, I begin to see the world through a biblical lens, right. through a gospel lens, that every person, man, woman, child, are made in the image of God. They are worthy because of the worth that Christ has put into them. Right. And it is our role as believers to raise the dignity of human beings and to bring them to a place of dignity and value and respect because of Jesus, not because we think it's a good social issue. That's right. Yeah, and, and they're not uh, opposed to one another. Like, I, I don't think saying you're a servant to the kingdom first suddenly invalidates caring for uh, uh, people on the fringes. No, it's or informed people that by are it. Pre- it's informed, it's yeah. informed by it. It's informed by it, which means it's okay, actually, to be very passionate about uh, people on the fringes and the margins, the yep. oppressed. Um, that's actually a, a kingdom concept. I yep. mean, if you really live under the lordship of the kingdom, then you see people and you appreciate diversity. The scriptures talk about diversity a lot. There's yeah. a lot of diversity in the scripture. Yeah. I was um, looking at uh, Revelation chapter 7 uh, this week, and I was thinking about this, that the, in verse 9 it said, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. So that's just a lot of people, a lot obviously. Of people. And he could have just said people. He could have just stopped right there. A great multitude. Mm-hmm. No one could count. But, it, but it says, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and the Lamb of God. So, so there's actually breaking out that there are people from all these different things. Didn't have to say that. So it's a thing that's good. It's actually to be, um, to be celebrated. But, but I think about 
if you are a citizen of heaven, if you're under the lordship of Jesus, if you're a kingdom citizen, then it should matter to you because it, it clearly mattered to Jesus, the people that were oppressed. I mean, yeah. the, he, he, he was dealing with people that were oppressed, yeah. um, that were marginalized, that were, you know, the Roman the occupation had just done this. And he was going to outcasts and touching people that nobody yeah. else, the untouchables, really. That is the way of, of the kingdom. So yeah. it's not enough to just say, well, I'm colorblind. I don't, I don't see color. Yeah. I don't think that's actually a, a valid healthy thing yeah, as a, a follower point. of Jesus and I, to say. And I'm glad you said, you know, there's a lot of people who might say, and I understand what they mean when they say, I'm colorblind, I don't see color. But that is actually a very hurtful thing to say, first to the person who, who hears that, but then also to God who says, but I've created. Mm. I've created. My, my, I have three sons, and they are half, half white, half brown, but they are different shades of brown. Yeah. And my oldest one gets a little bit darker, my, light, my youngest one is very light-skinned, and so, but God has made them all beautiful. God has made all of us beautiful. So if I say, well, I don't, I don't see color, it's almost as if I'm saying, well, I refuse to see you. Mm. The better thing to say is, no, Larry, I actually recognize that you're white. I right. recognize that you're black or African-American or Asian or Hispanic or Chinese or Iranian or Sri Lankan or Indian. I yeah. see you. I hear you. I want to know you. I want to invite you. I accept you. I validate you. You matter to me. You're, you're worthy of honor and respect and dignity. This is how we create a church and a people right. that look like heaven right. by saying what we, we want to go out and we want to reach all, all sorts of people right. for the kingdom of God. And, the, and, and to set aside our prejudices and actually build bridges instead of walls yeah. against one another yeah. to go, hey, we, we clearly look different. Um, you know, if we walked into a, a restaurant together and said, this is, this is my blood brother, people would probably go, well, that's really interesting because yeah. you yeah. don't really look tell, very tell much alike. That. Tell us about that. Um, but, but it's okay to appreciate that diversity. But the yep. scriptures, as I said, you know, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, it's clearly a thing all gathered around the throne of God. But if one of those particular nations or tribes were downtrodden and kicked to the side, we should be the first to stand up for justice for these people yep. for as followers people. of Jesus. For all Which people. is the heart of Jesus. And so we begin with the heart and we move to the hands. Right. And this is how God always begins. It's, it's interesting. Culture, the culture we live in, the world begins on the outside trying to move in. Mm. God begins on the inside. If you think about the temple, God begins with the Ark of the Covenant yeah. in the center of the temple and then moves out. Right. So we always do the opposite. So God starts at the heart, the heart of man, the transforming power that God does inside of us. And, and I think something you said is really powerful. We, we, we set aside our prejudices. We move through those. But I also think one of the, the hardest things to do is to set aside our preferences. Mm. Jesus has these powerful words, and he says, you know, greater love is no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. Most of us would have no problem taking a bullet right. for our friend, but it's hard for us not to have the last word. It's hard for us not to have the songs that we want, yeah. the kind of sermon that we want, the, the kind of stories that we want, the kind of food that we want, the kind of conversations we want. And Jesus says, if you would die to your preference out of love, because... You've heard, you've heard Pastor Larry say, you've heard me say, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And citizens have laws. We have laws and nations help govern to protect for the flourishing of humanity. Right. The kingdom of God has two laws, just two. Love God, love others. Right. And anything else violates those laws. Love God, love others. Yeah. So justice, the pursuit of justice, is actually our living out the laws of loving God and loving our brother. Right. 
loving our sister. And these are, that's just it. It's, two, it's just two laws. If we can live by those two laws, our entire world would be transformed if right. all of humanity could agree to love God and love our neighbor. Right. And to love others, we start with the Imago Dei, that we look at our brothers and sisters, even if they look wildly different from us, and yeah. say, I see that God has created you unique, and that's a beautiful thing, and that's a good thing. It's also saying that the same uh, rights that are afforded to me to receive grace, to receive love, to receive justice, to be spoken for. I, I love the scripture where God said, you'll seek me and you'll be found, uh, you know, yeah. I will be found by you. There's yeah. this sort of beauty to the way that that says, but like that if I deserve this, don't you also deserve this? And it's really easy to start building the rankings of, of, of who deserves what. But if we start yeah. from this place of of we all deserve the love of God. Yeah. We all de- deserve the grace of God. Yeah. And loving our neighbor as ourselves means that we should want for our neighbor that which we have ourselves, that yeah. good thing. Yeah. You know, I, there, there were so many articles after George Floyd was killed mm-hmm. um, about that killing and it's so vile. But then there was like this, I think it was a Christianity Today article and it was from a number of people who knew George Floyd in Houston and then talked about doing ministry with George Floyd. And how yeah, he, in Houston, I think. Yeah. yeah, he went into the cities and he did all this sort of stuff. I, you know, I, I saw an article yesterday where there were baptisms happening on the site of his death. Yeah, It's sort of yeah, a, a beautiful yeah. picture, but how he used to take troughs into neighborhoods and to baptize people in Houston. And as soon as that started coming, I, I think I actually reposted it. I saw a lot of people reposted it. Well, then a lot of people started typing all these negative things about, well, yeah. let's look into George Floyd's yeah, past. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, let's, and, and what, it, what it is, it, let's just step down. Like, no, 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 we don't want to see him equally. We don't want to give him equal rights because he broke the law or because he had something in his system or whatever. And I, I think that's human nature to, to try to do that. And, yeah. you know, I think the Pharisees, they had their laws and they were experts in denigrating people, putting them down, putting them in their place. And I think that's part of the reason why the subversiveness of the kingdom is it doesn't look like that. It's not, I'm stepping on your head in order to get somewhere else, or let me bring out all these negative things about you to put you in your place or, or to, to be honest, to elevate myself. So going back to that assessment bit, is there anything I'm doing with people around me that's allowing me to feel just maybe a, a little bit better. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, now, when I think about, uh, and, I, and I saw both of those, you know, there's this, he was, a, he was a really great guy and he was, a, he was a Christian, so he was more celebrated by Christians. But yeah. then like, oh, he was also a criminal. He's more put down. Well, there was also another criminal who was crucified next to Jesus. Yep. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. paradise. Yeah. He didn't say like, oh, well, we're going to have to look at your rap sheet. Let's see if we can figure this out. Maybe right. I can, maybe there's, maybe there's a little side room I can get you in on in the totally. side. So I think the first place we start with is the gospel actually says we don't deserve anything. Yeah. We don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve God's mercy. God in love chooses. God in love pours out his grace. He, the scripture says in Ephesians, he lavishes his grace he does, over yeah. us. And because he does that, our eyes are now changed to see everyone and our desires that they would know Jesus and they would be transformed in the likeness of Jesus. And so I say we have to constantly get back to a place of confessing, Lord, I'm not worthy of anything that you've given me. Mm. There's, there's nothing in my life that I have earned or by any merit of my own mm. that I deserve any of this. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for making me holy and blameless and pure and spotless before you. Right. Now will you use me as a vessel? And, and so to I would, extend that to extend same that. thing to other people. Yeah, and it doesn't, so Christians, if I can be so bold, 
we don't, we don't uh, um, over-celebrate somebody because they're a believer and they were killed. And we don't uh, not mourn for somebody because they were a criminal and they were killed. That's right. We mourn and we grieve because someone made in the image of God had his life extinguished. Yeah. And this is happening every day in our nation and every day in the world. It doesn't matter their achievements. It doesn't matter their spiritual achievements. Yeah. Simply because they are human. That's where we start. They are a human being made in the image of God that Jesus was sent on the cross to die for. Well, you know, it troubles me. There was, um, there was a, a general, I think, in Iran a few months ago who was killed. Um, and I understand, I think, some of the reasons behind that. Um, and, and I do understand that there are people, you know, I would never look at someone like Adolf Hitler and say, you know, great guy. He was made in the image of God and didn't deserve uh, to, to pay some kind of punishment for the yeah. horrendous Crimes, crimes that he committed, crimes right? Crimes against humanity. Um, crimes against humanity. So I'm not saying that, so don't mishear me. But to, to see so many people celebrating the death of this man, I thought it, justice doesn't mean that we gloat over the fact that a bad person was killed. Yeah. It's We should also just grieve, even if someone's a terrible person, we should grieve that some life was snuffed out or that sin crept into their life and destroyed that Imago Dei in them or marred it terribly. But instead of gloating over the death of someone who's a bad person, we should feel the burden of going, oh, like this is another life that was lost that, that God, I wish it hadn't been. Yeah. And you also grieve because when justice is served and justice should be served, and in many cases... In that, in the, in the example that you use, justice was served in that particular way. Right. We grieve because we live in a world where this is possible. Yeah. That men would would kill hundreds and thousands of people. Totally. We grieve because this is the this is the choice that human beings make. Yeah. To to brutally violate one another. Right. And so we grieve because we're saying, God, we, we wait for the day where you will restore all things. Yeah, we're, we're, we should grieve. Again, it's hurt and hope. It's I'm hurting because this person's life hurt so many hundreds of thousands of people. That was wrong. And justice was enacted in a particular way. And again, I'm not... And to know that ultimately the Bible says justice is mine. Yeah, it's, the, it's Lord. the Lord's. It's not ours. But to say, like, if, if, if there's a penalty for what this man did... The Lord's got that penalty, but, let, but through this scenario, justice was served. But to, to praise that in a happy way, we should grieve that this man's life caused that level of calamity, that so many Imago days were snuffed out, yeah. um, and that even his life was snuffed out. My yeah. point, I think, in all of that is just to say that elevating oneself above another is, diff- is not okay. Yeah. That, but as kingdom values, that, that the kingdom that Jesus sort of introduced was for human flourishing, yeah. not for human perishing. It was for justice. It was for human dignity. It was that all are welcome, that all people have value. And when we see someone being treated as less than human, we should speak up and actually do something about that. We should, um, as Micah 6, 8 says, we should love mercy. We should do justly, do justice. Um, not just, not just talk pray about, about it, it, not just think about just it, but tweet do about justice, it. Yeah. We should do it, and we should walk humbly before the Lord. And so I think framing it as everyone's made in the Im- image of God, that God calls us to be a people of justice, but also all those other things, human flourishing. That's one of my favorite words, because I think it really yeah. reflects the heart of the kingdom. But yeah. you, you mentioned the Beatitudes earlier. Um, I love the Beatitudes. I love our conversations about the Beatitudes, and I would love it if you would just take us through some of the Beatitudes as we get into that to go, 
what is the narrative we should live under? It's under the kingdom narrative. Yep. What is the kingdom narrative? And as we talked about this a few days ago, excuse me, you talked about the Beatitudes as a way of framing mm-hmm. the way of the kingdom. And maybe we could just do that. And then I think we're going to close with a, a little bit of a time of, of lament. Yeah. So I love the Beatitudes. I shout out to Carolyn Schmidt, who is my um, fairy godmother who leads me into all kinds of wisdom. Mine, mine too. And she gave me this book on the Beatitudes by Daryl Johnson, and I've, I don't know how many times I've read it, and I love the Beatitudes. I love the Sermon on the Mount. I love reading books on the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. um, specifically by E. Stanley Jones. And, and so I'm in this state of this is happening, and I'm asking myself, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know mm. what to do. I feel helpless. I'm hearing other people black people for the grieving and and mourning. And there's there's real trauma, church. There's real trauma for African-Americans. I'm hearing white people say legitimately and honestly, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And maybe many of you are saying that. Mm. And as I started hearing this more, and I thought to myself, isn't that the first beatitude? Blessed are you when you don't know what to do. So Jesus begins with, blessed are are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you are bankrupt before me. Mm. Now, of course, he, he means that in the spiritual sense. I'm utterly bankrupt to save myself. And so God enters in. But, you know, I feel like, as Brennan Manning would say, a beggar at the throne of God's mercy. Right. God, I am poor in spirit. What should I do? And God says, well, this is where the blessing begins. Right. And then he moves through, blessed are those who mourn. If, there's any, if you're wondering, church, what could I do? What, what should I do? Should I, should I speak out about it? Should I, should I protest? Should I, should I vote different? Should I run for office? Should I, mm. What should I do? And I think you begin with confessing, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Then you get into a place of mourning. Yeah. Really grieve. Grieve that we live in a world where a man could have a knee on the back of his neck for mm. nine minutes grieve that we live in a nation that was built on the backs of black people treated as animals yeah grieve that we live in a world that it wasn't until 1963 that we had the civil rights act where black people were allowed to vote yeah grieve that we live in a country with red line districts grieve that we live in a in in a world that treats humanity with such vileness yeah so we grieve and i think we grieve because god grieves the heart of god is broken over this So we grieve and we join the heart of God. Then we move through the meek. Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who have power under control, Mm. for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They hunger and thirst to do the right things of God, to do the just things of God, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the mercy, merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, Mm. the ones who say, my table is open. Yeah the ones who say, I'm not in the middle. I'm not taking sides. I'm here to empathize with you and to hear your story, to meet in the middle, to be an agent of reconciliation, to Mm. be an agent of peace. For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So as you pursue the way of Jesus, Jesus says, and I've come and there'll be a sword that divides. And if in that division, there's persecution against you, there's the blessing of God in that. Mm. And so press into that. And so I would encourage you as a church, you as a family, as a people to set aside time every day for the next several weeks or even the rest of the year 
and just work through the Beatitudes of God. How do I, how do I grieve and mourn and lament and become a peacemaker? And I fully believe that if you have that genuine posture, that God will see fit to use you in his kingdom mm. to be the peacemaker, to be the bridge builder, to be a person of love and of generosity and of kindness and of justice, and God will use you mightily in his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as we move toward thinking about practically what to do and walking through the Beatitudes, just a couple of things. We talked about taking an honest assessment, and that's important for all of us, myself included. Nurup, you're doing that too. It's not just yeah. white people take uh, an honest assessment. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine that I've known since I was very little, an African-American friend of mine, uh, the other day. And one of the things I'm trying to do is to listen and to ask people, what's been your experience? Because I, I know that I, it's, I'm not going to have a very accurate representation of the average black person in the United yeah. States of America's experience. So there's no way I possibly could. So I'm just asking questions and going, well, let me just hear your perspective. And one of the things she said to me, and, and, and I went to high school with her. I've known her since we were both very small. And then and in high school, went to high school with her. And I was asking, I was telling her the way that I was feeling about some of these things, and I just was really gutted by some things I was reading and obviously the video, um, and going, well, what's my response supposed to be? And one of the things she said to me that was fascinating to me was that one of her relatives was racist. A black person was racist toward white people. And I, I had never thought, I just had never really thought about that. It was interesting that that was a part of her experience, too, yeah. that, that in her family, racism was a thing. It's not exclusive to a particular shade of color or a particular place that you live. As you said, it's universal. Yeah. It's worldwide. But I think understanding that, 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 that is, we're in that poverty of racism, of systemic racism. So that honest assessment to go, is there something in me that elevates myself above someone else because of skin color? Or for or any other reason, that's not the way of Jesus. The the second thing we talked about was that it's really it's it's not us versus them, black versus white, police versus whatever. It's not that. It's the kingdom is this third way. It's that well, neither. I'm not on your side or their side. Yeah. I'm for the side of I'm Jesus. With, I'm with Jesus. But the 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 side of Jesus is far more inclusive. Um, but it also doesn't have to mean that it's just one big happy family, then, that it actually means the way of Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus is being an advocate for yep. those who don't have a voice. It's yep. being an advocate for people who can't speak up for themselves or haven't been able to speak up for themselves. Or maybe they've been banging the same drum and it feels like no one's listening. And that's one of the things I'm really trying to consider right now. As a white pastor, I feel this pressure of like, I gotta be careful what I say because I don't wanna hurt people. I don't wanna move forward in ignorance, but I also want to live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus and to help bring shalom, help to help his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so South, that's a good thing this week to start thinking about how might God use me to yeah. step into that, to be a voice for those who don't really have good. a voice. It's okay to protest. Uh, it's okay to have signs. It's okay to, um, uh, to stand up for injustice. That's actually the right thing to do. But are there some other practical ways that we could sort of broaden our perspective? Because I think it's one thing to say stand up for injustice, but it's really hard to know how to do that when you don't know people yep. who aren't like you. Yep. So maybe there's just a couple of practical things that we could do yeah, to absolutely. get to know people who aren't like us in that yep. So a couple of practical things from a, um, from a personal standpoint, I think some things you could do is really take advantage of Google mm. and say, Google, what are some great books to read by African-American pastors or African-American theologians, yep. Lisa Fields, John Perkins, Bruce Fields, Vody Bachman, 
Thabiti Anuwali. Really, James Jennings. Um, James Jennings, John, um, Gardner Taylor. And begin to read and realize that much of our Western evangelical Christianity mm. has been shaped by one particular view. Right. And it's, and it's, and it's, not, it's, it's almost like saying, well, Larry, describe to me this bottle, and you describe this side, but I'm missing this side. Well, totally. what's on this side? And what so rounds learning, out your perspective? Yeah, so learning, yeah. so I think that, that's number one, is, is just putting yourself in a position to learn. A great book is The, the Color of Compromise. Mm, a great yeah. book by John, John Perkins is One Blood. So reading and really exposing yourself to the, the history. I think one fascinating thing you should do is read the, the letter that Martin Luther King wrote to white clergy in 1963, the letter from Birmingham. Birmingham jail. You can Google it. It's, it's, it's a profound letter to mm. read, and I think every believer in America should read it. So read things like that is number one. But then number two, I would say, um, don't feel the need to, I have to speak out on social media. I have, mm-hmm. to, I have to type in, I'm, I'm not a racist. We get it. We all believe you. Or, you know, don't, don't use your black friends as Google, yeah. especially if you don't have a great, tight relationship with them. Yeah. Instead, if you, have, if you have an African-American friend, just some of the best things you can do is to, to email them or call them and text them and say, I don't know what you're going through but my heart grieves for you. I'm learning. I'm putting my posi- myself mm. in a position to learn. I love you. I see you. you. You matter to me. What do you want for dinner tonight? Because I'm sending you food. Yeah. And just being there, being present in the presence, lives of people. Presence is so Jesus important. Jesus was present. Jesus was so present. And ask, asking humble questions. It's kind of like the, uh, uh, love, mercy, do justly, walk humbly. That yeah. Humility is hard sometimes because yeah. it's embarrassing to go, I, there's poverty in me of, of knowledge. Yeah. I don't know what it's like to be an Indian American. I don't know what it's like to be and an African American. And to that point, I would say the best, one of the best practical things you could do is learn to live. Instead of building taller fences, build longer tables. Yeah. And invite people literally to the table yeah. to dine with you. And to, my favorite question to ask people is, Larry, tell me your story, man. Yeah. Tell me your story. What's your story? What's your experience? And hearing the stories of people, um, letting your kids play with one another. Make it a point to, as a family, go out to ethnic restaurants yeah. and eat and dine at ethnic restaurants. Meet different people. Ask them where they're from. The immigrants love telling you where they're from. You don't have to ask them. They'll just tell you. Yeah, yeah. But get to know them and get to know their stories. Invite them over. The ancient practice of Christian hospitality. Um, if we could be the people on the streets that invite people into our homes, yeah. you know, Jesus, I think Jesus actually meant when he said, have people over for dinner, throw a party for people who could never pay you back. Yeah. Invite them over, get to know their stories, hear from them. And I think if you're like, I don't know any ethnic minorities, enter the foster care system and learn to love these children and love families. Yeah. Families want to be with their children. They just may not be in a position to really care for them. Learn to love the family. Or you can go to family. a protest and see what it's all about. See what it's all about and pray. Pray for them. Get to pray know them. Pray for people. Hey, tell me Take them story. water. Take them food. Yeah, tell me your story. So tell I, me what's going on. Like one of the questions we talked about in the, in the politics uh, talk was asking people, how did you arrive at where you're at? Yeah. You know, that opens up so much conversation. Yeah. I think one of the things I love about Jesus is that he was never offended. Jesus was never offended. Mm. And I want to get to that place where I'm never offended. Yeah. But the other thing about Jesus was he was always open for the interruption. Whenever mm. someone interrupted him, he pressed in. And this is a massive interruption to our lives. Yeah. COVID was a massive interruption. Now Still this, is. This is a, yeah, this is a massive interruption. 
And I think it's an amazing opportunity for us to say, well, how do I lean into this interruption? Yeah. And how do I press into what God has for me right here, right now, today? And I really believe, church, that God has positioned you to be here on this corner, in this neighborhood, in this city, that the light of God would shine through. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. In South Fellowship, you are the salt of the earth. You've been planted here. Mm. You are growing here. And Jesus is going to use you here. And you are going to be kingdom ambassadors here. And when people drive by this church, they will know that there is an embassy that reflects the kingdom of God. There in that building are citizens of the kingdom of God. If I need to be loved, if I need hope, if I need mercy, if I need the gospel, if I need justice, I know I can get it there. Mm. And God has planted you here in this city, what, 60 some years ago, to be salt and light. And that mission for you, South, has not changed. That mission has not changed you are here for a reason in this day, yes. in this time, to be the salt and the light of Jesus in the city. And Lord knows we need more churches like you in this city mm. to be the hands and feet of Jesus with the heart of Jesus, with the love of Jesus. Yes. And so I am so excited for you guys to, to press into this and to be here because you have every reason to just pretend like it doesn't exist. Yeah. But you're here. We're not going to. We're not going to pretend. Just a couple of things I just want to say, and then we're going to just move into a prayer. Uh, of lament. Um, we're starting from uh, just the posture of listening and grieving. And that's going to look different for everybody. Some people feel like there, should be, there shouldn't be protests. Others feel like there should be more protests. And that's okay. One thing I love about South is it's diverse, that there are people from different walks of life and backgrounds yeah. and different perspectives. And, and that's to be valued. We're starting, though, as citizens of heaven. And realizing that we're, we're walking in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. And I love what you said. This is an embassy uh, for the kingdom of heaven into our city. And so we can have diverse opinions on all of these things. But we start with the image of God and seeing yeah. the image of God in people. And to be a voice for the dignity of all persons, regardless of their background, of their color, of how much money they make, right. whatever. The way of Jesus values diversity, but there is a seat at the table. And I love what you said. It's not about building higher fences. It's about uh, building longer tables. And that's something we're going to really be praying about and asking God uh, to lead us into in this season. How do we love people well, that's even right. though they look different than us? That's right. How do we be a voice for those who don't have a voice? And, and I'm going to take you up on some of what you said there and try try some different foods and support uh, some we'll local business. Let's we'll do it. Out. Bring your credit card. We'll we'll go. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, we'll support people um, who look different than us and try different things and get to know people. And look, I know this is a divisive topic and you might even be frustrated right now going, well, they said this and I didn't like that or they didn't say this and I wish they would have. We're humans. And I-, I love what you said at the beginning of this. This is the beginning of a conversation. And that's all we're asking, is that we learn to start listening, to get to know people who look different than us, to try to understand their, their experience, to rehumanize those who have been dehumanized, and to do our best to be servants and submit um, to the kingdom of God, and may his will be done um, on earth as it is in heaven. Narup, would you talk to us just for a moment about lament as we come to a close. Yep. Do you want us to lead in time of lament? Let's do that. If you would just, I I think posture is a big deal Mm. when you're um, in a time of worship and prayer. So if you would just, as you're watching, just posture yourself, just kind of open your hands. It's just a sign of, God, I am emptying myself of me. 
and opening myself up to you. So if we just open up your hands and I'm just going to pray a few things and just sort of let them wash over you as you pray this together. Lord, bless me by reminding me that I am poor in spirit Mm. and I am emptying myself, confessing that I have nothing to offer you. And as I do that, show me a picture of the kingdom of God. Lord, teach me to mourn. Mm. Teach me to grieve for the pain that people are feeling, for the confusion, for the loss, the anger, the death, the sorrow, the years of feeling abused and marginalized. God, teach my heart to mourn. Mm. And as I do, would you comfort me that in the end you will have your way in all things. Yes. Lord, teach me to be meek, to fight the urge to have the last word, to fight the urge to speak more than I listen. Mm -hmm. Teach me to live with power under control. Lord, as I open up my hands, give me a hunger and a thirst for the right things of God. Mm -hmm. Lord, teach me to pursue the things that are just before you, to see people as you see people not to see things as earthly causes, but to find the kingdom cause in all things. Mm. Lord, teach me to be merciful. Teach me to extend mercy. Teach me to forgive. Teach me to love. Lord, purify my heart. Mm. If there's anything in me that grieves you, would you in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, wash away all impurities that I might be holy and blameless before you. God, make me a peacemaker. Make me someone who doesn't take sides. Make me someone who doesn't choose one person over the other. But call me to be an agent of peace as I have been made at peace with you. Use me to make peace with others. Teach me to love my brothers and my sisters. And Lord, if I am persecuted in any way, help me to receive it. Help me to see the kingdom in all of it. Mm. And as we grieve and as we lament, Lord, we pray the prayer of Jesus that you would not help us escape this world, but that right here, right now, in our city and in our day, your kingdom would come. Amen. My name is Jody Nevins. I'm the operations director here at South Fellowship. Thank you so much for stopping by and watching today. I have just a few announcements to end our time together. Last week, Yvonne talked a little bit about having house churches as a way for our community to come together and start meeting in small groups for church. You can learn some more about hosting, being a participant, or just information in general at southfellowship.org connect. Last week, our elders invited us to 28 Days of Prayer, a movement for our community to pray for our church, our nation, and our world. There are three different ways that you can get involved still. One is by gathering on Sundays at 4 p.m. at Little Creeks Park for worship and prayer together, social distancing, of course. The second way is to subscribe to our daily, which will give prompts for daily prayer so we can all be together and united in prayer each day. The third way is to join our prayer 
group on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. It is led by Watchman Pair Group, and they are inviting anybody that would like to join them on Zoom. And you can find all this information uh, at southfellowship.org slash 28 days. Thanks again for watching today. It, there's always opportunities to give at southfellowship.org slash give. And if you're watching with us live today, we would love to have you join us at a Zoom room, one for adults and one for kids. And the links to those will be in the online chat. So look for those there. And if you are on social media or you would like to just tell a friend what we're doing here at South, we would love for you to spread the word and um, yeah, invite people to come and hear about Jesus through South Fellowship. We love you South and we hope to see you soon. Have a great week.